it to the Easy Yoga Podcast with myself, Geminis, Easy Yoga founder, author, yoga coach, and relationship coach. It is my pleasure to have you here and for you to feel energized, calm, happy, and for you to have the perfect relationship with yourself, your partner, and your family without seeing a family therapist, changing your personality, or leaving your job. You will learn techniques and things to help you guide you through a better life through health, meditation, yoga, journaling, nutrition, and all things yoga for you to have the life you deserve and crave and for you to love yourself on a soul level. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And I am so grateful and so full of love to have you here. Enjoy this next episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode from Easy Yoga, all things yoga, well-being and relationships. And today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Cleo Oldham and she is a certified health coach and she specializes in helping women quit quit (laughs) chronic dieting and heal their relationship with food she has a background in physiology and nutrition science so she combines the habit change aspect of coaching and the science-based motivational tools so welcome Cleo thank you for being on Hi Gemma, I'm so excited to be with you today and so pleased that we connected as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this is going to be so good. Learning about everything. So what what do you do? Well, I've kind of given you an introduction, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so as my mini introduction suggested, most of my work is online coaching. So I help women in a group setting and also one-to-one. But the basis of my coaching is really helping women heal their relationship with food. So it's usually people who have been on and off dieting for many years and are ready to kind of ditch those rules, start living more intuitively and learn what it means to actually be in touch with their body and tune into their hunger and fullness and what foods work for them. And I also... I didn't include this in my intro, but I do have an exercise science background. So although the word exercise to people who want to ditch dieting is a bit like, oh my God, (laughs) not sure. (laughs) I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Like I just learned all of my kind of knowledge is also science-based as well. It gives me that kind of, that credibility, that platform to understand people on that level as well. And what's your story behind it? Why did you come into this? Yeah, so well, it all kind of started as cringy and as obvious as it sounds is when I was a child and I've always been um, really into sport. Like I was such a sport, sporty person and like into well-being and health. And there was this kind of ongoing thing going on in my life where I was never really happy with how my body looked. Um, Although I was sporty, it was always like, am I actually doing this exercise in this sport? Because I really enjoy it or is it because I'm doing it to burn calories and look better genuinely yeah that that reflection didn't happen until much later on in my life so I went on to as I just said studying um exercise sport and rehabilitation science at Birmingham University that's good yeah so that gave me a nutritional background physiology psychology I absolutely loved it Um, And then ever since then, really, I've been working in like the international business space, as well as becoming a coach. And to be honest with you, it was one of those moments where you're like, right, I'm just going to Google like what what type of person like I did a few personality quizzes. (laughs) I I need to find out what, what I need to do, because I have this 
feeling that something like something's burning underneath the surface like I know that there's something to do with well-being and health that I really need to do um so I basically did this personality quiz found out about health coaching never heard of it before I knew about life coaching you're probably the same like it just didn't yeah, exist yeah. before you find out it does um went into that space and then also I kind of started on my journey thinking there's something not right about the way that health is taught right now like yeah. people's understanding is so like mixed mixed signals yeah. it's so confusing it's so overwhelming all the information online so what I wanted to do is make it super simple for people and in that journey of simplifying everything I am found intuitive eating which is basically the basis of all of my coaching and it helps I it just completely transformed my mindset around my body and food and movement and it, I just want to share that with as many people as possible I think a lot of it as well is only in the last couple of years, people know what intuitive means and understanding a lot more people use that word now, but it's been around forever. So it's, it's within us. So it's been around forever and ever. But yeah, I think that's a really good way of, of working with your body because yeah, you are listening to it. As I always say as well, listen to your body, listen what to know what it wants and needs. But did you, I'm not being disrespectful to your parents at all, but did you... I don't know, have have a happy upbringing, but also were you rewarded with food? Like actually I took my children the other day to the dentist and I was going to give them a treat. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that mother. <laughs> they gave them a treat as in like a food treat because they did well at the dentist. <laughs> yeah, I totally get you. I hear you. I know I've learned a lot about that kind of reward system um, just through diving deep into intuitive eating. Um, but actually, no, my childhood was a massive well my dad is a massive foodie like he's right. there's no like oh you shouldn't eat this you should eat that it's like go for it seconds yeah. more like all <laughs> of this kind of stuff um and my mom as well both of them really supportive and it was just I think to be honest with you it's the external things that kind of got in my mind about the way my body looked and the way my body should yeah. be rather than personally my relationship with food but then again for many years I thought you know I'm a food I used to say I'm a foodie I, I love all food like I can eat food and I'm fine but I still would you know go for a pizza with friends and feel so guilty yeah and the next day I'd wake up and think right I'm gonna skip breakfast I'm gonna go to the gym like I was a gym I used to get up every day and go to the gym um before work and restrict how many calories I was eating and uh, yeah it That's just, just not a good way to live, is it? Until you realise it. Yeah. Not. And I think that rather than it being anything to do with my parents, it's actually probably to do with the social pressure. I just remember being about 11 or 12 when it really starts to settle in, when you're going to high school and everyone's kind of looking at each other, like, what, yeah. do, they look like? what do you look like? You're comparing yourself and, you know, it's just such a really hard time. Like it was for me. Like, I, I don't know about you, if you feel the same. Like it was yeah. just, and I think about it in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and magazines don't help. Like you see the celebrities that are, that were big and now they've, they've shrunk down to, I don't know, size six or whatever. And it's just not, not normal. But yeah, you are comparing yourself to them. And then social media came in and, now it's even more i think a lot of teenagers i wouldn't like to be a teenager now no way <laughs> yeah. because you have got that pressure of yeah of constantly comparing yourself but i think 
by bringing it into our children or bringing it into more of or, of our friends or even intuitively and, and talking about it more and getting the word out, spread out more. It's then making people realize and think, oh, actually, yeah, maybe I don't need to be like this. And we are all unique. So by being yourself, I think that, that would certainly help. But it's hard to get over that. I fully hear you. And it's so interesting that this has just come up because for a few reasons is that I was reading a book this morning about comparison and it was talking about, you know, we could, okay, it's great to say, you know, don't compare yourself to others. Yeah, it's easy to say that. Um, but when it comes down to it, we're humans, like we are in a, we're social creatures, right? We're always going to have that. So it's how you play the game almost like do you listen to every single judgmental comparison that's in your mind and yeah. a lot of women I work with and this was actually the second reason why it's interesting it's come up it's because today I've been basically creating this online short course for women who want to make this transition from dieting and the lesson that I was training that I was teaching about today was about this kind of comparison that we when we don't respect our body we walk yes. into a room and we often do this thing called body checking, which basically means that you're, you go in and this is a hypothetical room, you know, like well, you yeah. to a dinner party, but <laughs> I'm just talking about anywhere, anywhere that you are and there's other people. And you look at other people and you immediately look at them and then you immediately think how you compare yourself to them in your body and what you look like. Um, and I think that as dieters especially um, have this mindset like, because they've been, we, as dieters, we've been sold this image, right? Like yeah. do this diet and you will look like this. So yeah. you're constantly used to that before and after photo and that comparison. And then, so basically working through how to calm down that inner voice when you walk into a room. So you're not immediately body checking everybody against yeah. yourself. I never realized that was an actual thing. I suppose it is, yeah, because you do. You don't even realize, well, maybe you do realize, I don't know, but yeah that's really interesting oh yeah never knew that yeah <laughs> so with intuitive eating how would you say so say someone i don't know went to the well, i've got knee issue so if somebody who was physically obese or um not morbidly obese that's the wrong well if, if someone's bigger anyway then that they actually want to be how would you then go about with that would you say food and exercise or what would you say what would their what well, everyone's different again so it would be different plans I suppose yeah it's really interesting that you bring that up actually um so in the intuitive eating world we usually just refer to people as in a bigger or smaller body naturally yeah. um, and I think one of the first things to understand and accept and it's the hardest thing to accept when you start this journey is that actually we're all meant to be different sizes yes and when you are in a larger body we are in a kind of society that has this fat phobic um and we you know even the phrase when you just mentioned morbidly obese like just that phrase like is yeah. so it's, weighted. Yeah. Yeah. it's like oh my goodness and all the research that's being done right now and has been done in the last 20 30 years is actually proving that weight is not a determinant of health you can still have positive health and well-being which means you are happy you're fit you have good health supporting markers in your body like blood pressure uh, metabolic wow. rate all of that um, and still be of a larger size yeah that we so firstly if someone came to me with you know it, it's it's 
when you go into intuitive eating, that has to be the first thing you accept. And it is the hardest because it's like, well, I've been on this endless pursuit of weight loss my whole life. Yeah. So how do I just let that go? And that is a slow burning process. But that's why I think coaching, especially if you're in that position, to have a coach there to support you is just like <laughs> unmatched, yeah. really. You need it, I think, as well, just to keep you on track or have any, if you've got any questions that you don't want to ask your friends about or your family, then you can go to them. You can go to a coach and say, because because you're working constantly with them anyway. So yeah, you're there, you're invested in their health. You're invested in their time with them as well. Yeah. And do you find that people will, or do you say, actually I had someone on the other day that, that had said, um, because I'd asked them, are we allowed cheat days? And he said, oh, no, we, we don't call them cheat days. I was like, okay, that's fine. So do you do you kind of say that? Are you allowed to have a cheat day? Well, not a cheat day. Or, yeah, balance, yeah. a balance. I like, yeah, and it's a really good question again. But so the idea of cheat days in the research that I've done and the work with my clients is actually have this connotation that on the other days of the week, you're not allowed to eat the foods that you're allowed on cheat days. And just having that restrictive mindset is what will lead you to basically allowing yourself to binge and overeat to a point yes. where you feel awful and also super guilty. So actually yeah. cheat days promote that kind of feeling in that cycle. So with intuitive eating, what we're doing is tuning into the body and actually giving yourself unconditional permission to eat anything at any time. And when people hear that, they think, oh my God, no, I can't do that. Like I'll just eat cookies and chocolate sundaes all day. And yeah. I'm like, what actually happens? Yeah, I know what actually happens is, okay, there is a few days, maybe a few weeks at the beginning where you go, oh, like screw it. I'll just eat whatever because I'm allowed now. Someone's given me permission. But yeah. when you actually tune into your body and I'm sure that when with your yoga and your coaching, you know that when you're actually tuned into your intuition that feeling inside your physiological feedback yeah. is that your body will say 10 ice cream sundaes in a day probably doesn't <laughs> feel that good oh. like, <laughs> so you go like kind of run in a full cycle because you start off thinking yeah. what an unconditional permission I'm going for it like okay then if I'm allowed all of these things and it can be quite scary especially yeah. if you've been dieting for a long time to allow yourself to purchase and have things in the house yeah. and not be scared. It takes a while to just normalize those foods. It's all yes. about neutralizing and normalizing those cheat day in quotations, yeah. cheat day foods so that they don't become this like on a golden pedestal. These yeah. foods you can have on this day, the rest of the time they're not available to you. So yeah. normalizing it across the whole week really it creates this natural balance. Like you said, this balanced lifestyle rather than this like, seesaw effect where you're either yeah. one or like all or nothing mentality is what they usually say in diet culture yeah and actually my son he's seven he bought up the other day he said why why can't I have ice cream for breakfast and I said well I I don't know actually why can't you because yes it's food and it's not very good for you as in like you're not going to get all of the nutrients you need when you when you need your brain to work at school but I think we have this this idea, especially in the UK or Western world, that we have to have cereal for breakfast or toast when actually cereal and toast are not that good. They're full of sugar. So, well, they, they do have cereal. We do have cereal in our house. <laughs> but they tend to choose. They've, they've got porridge. We've got porridge, um, homemade granola. 
uh, Weetabix as well. They love that. But then we also add lots of fiber. So we'll have flax seeds, uh, chia seeds, fruits. They can have as much fruit as they want. They then have a yogurt. But yeah, there's that, that conception of why do we have to have a specific thing for breakfast why do we have to have sandwiches for lunch and and then like something a big main meal in the evening i think we need to change the way we're we're eating like that and and not be as a human i don't know follow everybody else what they're doing yeah i completely agree and i love how you said that you add things and i think that's one of the main things about the work that i do when people think about making a change to their eating habits they think oh what am I going to have to take away or remove now because I've done it for my whole life and I hate removing things it just doesn't work for me whereas actually okay let's look at what you're currently eating like you said if you're having cereals completely fine um but like add a little bit of protein add a little bit of fat and part of the and the reason why we do this is and maybe as you know is it slows down that digestion it, it yeah. shares out the energy for more of the day and I think when what I do is we start off with the mindset and body acceptance, and then we kind of shift into this soft nutrition, and um, which is where we say, right, let's just look at kind of like the basics of nutrition, because you don't need to understand all of that stuff. I mean, it's I studied, so big, isn't it? Nutrition is massive. I studied nutrition for three years, uh, several years ago now, and everything I learned has changed. <laughs> Already? Wow. Like, it was still in the phase where it was like vitamins, waste of money. And now it's like okay, vitamins, yeah. take them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, that just shows that everything is changing. So understanding the fundamentals is essential. And like you said, we need to make this change away from have to have, have to, first of all, eating a certain type of food at a certain time. No one's, no one, that is just a societal thing, yeah. right? But also eating at the times that we have been told we should eat. Yes, not intuitively. Am I hungry? I'm not yeah. hungry or I am hungry yeah exactly and we, what I find with my clients is that actually especially the break between lunch and dinner or as we call it in the north tea yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, is that is a huge gap like some people are trying to stay like full for seven hours yeah and it's like six or seven hours and actually the research that I've seen and read about and learned about is that actually five hours should be the maximum you ever go without having something depending on obviously if you've had a huge Sunday lunch like yeah. roast you might be all right for a bit longer yeah. but if you're eating kind of like to a level of feeling pretty satisfied after every meal um you probably need to eat more frequently and I think diet culture and dieting has absolutely petrified us to do that because it's yes. like if you eat snacks, you are going to get diabetes. And it's like, yeah, yeah. No, no, you actually don't realize that. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting on a wave here, but one yeah. of the things that's just blown my mind through this work is actually the negative impact of dieting. Um, yes. Actually, weight cycling, which is the gain and loss and rebound weight gain and loss up and down and up and down, is more actually damaging to your health than. Yeah being overweight yeah <laughs> yeah that word yeah. you know yeah and especially with with the mental side of it as well especially if you've got a goal we we've only just got actually my i think they were my grandparents scales actually but they yeah my granddad died two years ago so i presume we've had them in the house for two years but yeah we never have scales in the house and they actually never get used because i don't like the fact that we constantly 
well we used to and we probably still do now a lot of people probably still want to go by that scale weight and you can't I don't I think it's the way you feel and the way your clothes feel and how you feel in your body but again that's going back to intuition how you want to feel not what the scale is saying so true it's that x as well what we what I talk to my clients about is it's the difference between listening and gauging how you feel from external cues such as weight such as a diet plan telling you how many calories you should eat in the day when actually it might be too much or too little compared to intuitive eating where you're gauging how to feel based on internal cues Um, and it's really interesting because there's this whole piece about rather than saying right okay there's body acceptance like accepting where you're at but there's also this idea of respecting your body there's a couple of ways that this is really great to kind of see it from this vision because a lot of women say look um is it realistic that we're going to love our bodies every single moment of every day probably not like i'm gonna eat too much pizza one night and think oh my lord i feel pregnant (laughs) (laughs) there's gonna be those times okay so what what i love this word respect because it's actually like looking after your body even when even when you're not entirely happy with it in that moment and the way that you respect your body and you just mentioned about the clothes that you wear one of them is actually just wearing clothes that you physically feel comfortable in even if that means chucking away the jeans that haven't fit for a year or the jeans that didn't fit for 10 years I mean I know people holding on to clothes it feels like this like this thing in the closet and it's like waiting for you whereas actually like you're never going to be that size and healthy so you've got to dress for your size now yeah that whole idea of throwing out the scales as well like that is a respect thing like to respect your body is to listen to its internal cues yeah not to be told by a number on a scale that actually means nothing because yeah. it's only things that impact that impact your weight in the day yeah. let alone a week um so yeah they're just two ways of, to respect your body yeah I'm so excited to tell you that I am ambassador for an amazing yoga apparel brand called Veya Mudra and it is a Swedish yoga brand that designs products for a healthy and active lifestyle and the company was actually founded in 2017 and I came on board in 2018 as an ambassador and it has since grown hugely huge 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 is and their aim is simple and we want to inspire as many people as possible to live a healthy life and to practice yoga because those who stick with regular yoga practice report themselves to be happier and healthier in life and like I am I love all these products so so much they are just so lovely and yes I am happy and healthy in my life (laughs) so we find inspiration to our products from all of yogis around the world by building deep relationships within the yoga community and they have gained invaluable insights and understanding of quality and function of the yoga products to satisfy all needs and all kinds of levels of yoga practice. And in 2020, Veya Madra committed to take serious steps towards becoming a sustainable brand. And as a result, they are now offering products made of recycled and other sustainable fabrics produced in the European Union manufacturer that complies with Greenpeace's environmental standards across the entire production chain. Isn't that amazing? So go to veyamadra.com 
and use Yogi Gemma 15 for a 15% discount code at the checkout. That's Yogi Gemma 15 for a 15% discount at the checkout. And this yoga apparel brand is one of my favorites and they are so soft, they're versatile and they last forever. So yes, go to veyamudra.com and use Yogi Gemma 15 for all of the 15% discount. And also when you have it, check out the hashtag veyamudra tribe on social media and and, and check it out and, and go and see it all there's so much on there but yeah go to yogi gemma 15 on the checkout and get 15 percent discount and especially with women as well with their monthly cycles you can go up and down like yeah i'm like we're saying earlier i'm due on this week now today and i'm so bloated but i know that just up to a week before my just i just get bloated and that's just normal but then i'll go back down next week or whatever i'll just stay stay roughly the same weight as where i always have been but yeah bodies and actually probably lifestyle no not lifestyle life stages change as well like when you hit your 30s your then metabolism slows down so then you have to eat less anyway or eat different because you're not burning it off as much yeah exactly it's it's just you have that's why i think you brought up a really important point there about life changes like different stages because if you're always looking for your answers how much you should eat what you should eat, what exercise you should do from external cues. How does the, how do those external cues know that yeah. you have, you know, just had a baby or yeah. you are due on or like they just, yeah. just, they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you're always <laughs> going to be fighting. Like if you, especially like in the cycle for a men, like for women is that we naturally, well, for personally for me, and I know for a lot of people I know, you get really hungry yeah. in the week that you are. Yeah. On and it's like, that's okay. Like it's because yeah. your body actually needs you yeah. time to give it more energy to, because it's doing more work. And yeah. when, if you're on a diet during that time to fight against that, fight against your biological signals it's just going to leave you feeling miserable, even more miserable than PMS does. Double whammy. It really is. And I think going back to what we were saying earlier, like with your BMI, I think BMI should be scrapped because you could have a big bodybuilder who is full of muscle, 0% fat or whatever it would be, yet he's still obese and he's not because he's just big built. And I've got a couple of friends that are, but yeah, they go to the doctors and they say you're obese. Well, you're not because you you are physically like bodybuilding. And, and yeah, it just is not right. And I think at school as well, I think in a couple of weeks time, both kids have got um, like a height and weight chart and things like that. But again, that's wrong. You can't no, do that. I'm covering my face. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that kids are being put through I this still. I can't and, believe And it. Hugo is is tall. He's, I think, the second tallest in his class. And and someone said the other day, oh, were you about nine? And he said, no, I'm seven. And I'm like, wow, you're really tall. But again, he's tall and thin. Like his, his granddad was six foot four. Um, so he's going to be tall and he's already up to my, well, nearly up to my chin and he's only seven and I'm five foot two. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really bad that they're bringing all of this into schools. They should bring it in like more what we're talking about intuitively and listening to your body rather than saying, right, you can't have this or that, or yeah, mm -hmm. like, like, yeah, at school as well. 
we have well hugo has packed lunches and you're not allowed which i think is good but also you're not allowed to have chocolate bars you're not allowed to have i don't know peanuts and that's fine um for allergies and that but it's so strict with what they can and can't have and i think in a way that's that's bad as well because if your body wants a piece of chocolate have a piece of chocolate it's not wow. gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, I don't have kids, so I'm not tuned into that. I've actually got quite a young siblings that are a lot, lot younger than me. Right. Okay. I wasn't aware of this at all. I didn't realize yeah. at school you couldn't choose what to bring for pet lunches. Yeah, I know. School, you could have whatever you wanted. If your mum yeah. sent you eight chocolate bars, you could have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really actually quite shocking. It's so, bad. Yeah. so then with, with, when they grow up, as in, yeah, when they hit 11 or 12, it's going to be harder for for people like you as well to use or find out the intuition. We're, we're good at home because I will always say to them, because we, this is what I do. So yeah, they, they know, but friends, yeah, hardly anyone does this, do they? They don't talk about intuitive eating at all. I know. And that's one of the main reasons when I kind of, when you open the door to it, you can't close it again. No. It makes, it's not like a diet where you go, gonna try it doesn't work does it try does it work it works for everyone because it's an intuitive inner feeling and I think it's coming through like you said in the last few years because of that a lot more people are doing meditation a lot more people are doing yoga it's not something that only a certain kind of like hippie-ish people do which is what it used to be yeah yeah it did yeah so now it's becoming more normalized I think that this idea of that you have all the answers inside of you for your health, for your business, for your career, everything yeah. actually is inside of you. Of course, you can have information that's going to guide you yeah. from the outside, but you also have to be strong enough on the inside to say if on whether or not that thing is worth your time or not. Yeah. So I think that yeah. it's such an important topic. And I one of my bigger visions is to kind of go on go to schools and do some proper presentations because I don't know about you but when I was back in school my school days I really really remember people coming in to do talks and like we have really interesting people and it really like I thought wow like this is crazy something I've never thought about because it's not necessarily on the education in the educational system it's not and it should be it really should they should bring it in definitely and I think it would help so many young girls and guys and boys I mean I've got a younger brother who is 15 and he's going to the gym he's six foot two I think wow already (laughs) Um, and I'm five foot three so I know how I feel um but they yeah it's just the body image thing especially with TikTok and Instagram yeah yeah it's scary actually so I just want to be part of that like you in that movement of yeah it was a different way to be yeah and with your clients do you do you do journaling do you get them to do journaling and meditation or go to the gym or do some kind of exercise just to for their emotional well-being as well like journaling to get out their their negative emotions so instead of I feel rubbish today or something's happened today I'm gonna reach for those crisps or chocolate bars instead I'm going to write down my feelings yeah so there's this whole emotional side of food too like you said and firstly what what is I usually find with clients and I know that people coaches similar to me or also experience this but when you strip back in the restriction so you actually get rid of the restriction give yourself unconditional permission to eat some of the emotional side of eating actually falls away naturally because it's no longer 
like this buildup of emotion. And a lot of times people get this almost like thrill from binge yeah. eating and thrill from overeating. That kind of disappears, but there is still this aspect of emotional eating where it's where you can't, or where you don't have the coping mechanisms to process your emotions and your thoughts in a way that is healthy for your body and yourself. So you use food as a distraction to numb out, to kind of disappear from the world almost for a yeah. short time. Um, and really how we work through that with clients of mine is I know a lot about, first of all, we, I don't start off by saying we're going to be doing journaling, meditation, kind of flows with whoever the person yeah, is. Yeah. A lot of people I meet say, well, you know, I've got three kids under five. I've got a full-time job. I don't really have time to journal, but is it okay if I write them on like in my notes on my phone, like yeah. on the way to work on the bus or on the train? And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. So it's all about kind of being different for everybody, but I would say this kind of reflection period and learning some different emotional coping mechanisms. And I think that just saying coping mechanisms sounds like it's going to be this yeah. to do this lesson and learn how to do it. This is the five steps to emotional coping. But actually, it's <laughs> all about learning how to feel your emotions themselves rather than suppress them. Because I think a lot of the time, the, like just the word numb out just the word distract just the word it's because we don't want to feel them so we're yeah. using the food as a distraction from yeah. the feel so it's learning how to feel it learning how to let it pass through your body without feeling like you have to change it or you yeah. have to be someone different or you have to have a different emotion you have to replace it and it's that whole thing like it's not about oh I feel negative what think about something positive to replace it it's not that because that's damaging itself because you're still yes. pushing the emotion away yeah. it's about sitting there and saying okay I feel like there's an anxious feeling flowing through me um that's okay and I welcome that feeling and I think that just the first time you do that you realize oh my god my whole life I've been suppressing that feeling yeah I've allowed it to come through and that resistance to the emotion that distraction is what accentuates the emotion and makes it feel worse yeah. So. yeah and do you find as well with I personally don't like like low fat stuff because they will then put in something else so uh, we have full full fat milk but um because it's been through low lot less processes but then sometimes like my friends will say oh well this is good this low-fat yogurt and it's like well no because they've added something else to it to make it more tasty or something like that and, and i'll always say to people stay clear of those kind of things because they will end up adding additives or whatever but they're marketing it at low fat. So then you go and grab it, but actually it's not that good. Would you say better is whole foods and yeah, full fat stuff? What would you, what was your yeah, idea? About? It's interesting. Again, it's that soft nutrition approach where nothing, anything is okay to eat. Obviously, unless you are actually allergic and you yeah. have, you have a serious <laughs> reason that is being confirmed by a doctor um, that you have to avoid, but basically having no food rules so okay if you prefer the low fat option that's okay but if you put the two side by side tell me which one you prefer because actually the low fat ones are often less satisfying yeah and there's been studies I can't remember 
what the what the name of the study was or, or what the people were which is not very helpful but I'll give you an overview <laughs> but it was talking about the results of giving people um like a low fat option and a, and a normal kind of no fat taken away it's just that's what it is and they found that the people with the low fat drink I think it was basically ended up being hungrier faster afterwards so oh, wow. actually wanting to eat more and because they just weren't having the nutrients from the food, the fat isn't going through your digestive system. Yeah. Fat is amazing for digestion and the gut. So without that, the body still wants more. So it's driven to eat more. So you're much more yeah. likely to go for more food in, in the long term. And this isn't even a day by day thing. Because you obviously, I think you often hear people say, you know, well, no, no, I'll just eat a low fat yogurt and then I'm fine. But when it comes to Friday and the pizzas are being ordered, like do you feel this like drive to overeat and binge eat because you're not looking after your body in the right way during the week? Yes. So I agree. I would say it's much better. Not, I don't even want to say the word better. I would say yeah. make your own judgments, yeah. but be conscious of how that food feels, not just in the moment. Does it feel, is it feel, is it filling a hole or is it actually yeah. satisfying? Cause it has yeah. to actually be satisfying so that you're not 10 minutes later going into the cupboard and grabbing something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my clients as well, and you probably see the same. Again, everybody is different, but to have three meals a day is you're kind of starving your body because sometimes your blood sugar levels will be, you need to kind of keep them on an even level. And sometimes if you have quite a sugary breakfast or something like that, your sugar levels are going to go high, then they're going to go low an hour later. And then you're going to feel tired and sluggish, don't really want to do anything. So then you have another piece of food, which then picks you up again. But if you're eating every couple of hours or every, I don't know, two to three hours, little bits, little and often, will then keep your blood sugar levels on the right track and then you're you're less likely to binge eat yeah for sure and we call it when I remember when I was certifying to be a coach we called it the, the blood sugar roller coaster because oh, yeah. <laughs> it is literally like an increase and decrease and it's that knowledge about food that also comes hand in hand with intuitive eating it's like okay so if I eat a piece of toast with some chocolate spread on for breakfast and it's white toast and and it's quite you know high in carbs and high end simple carbs that's okay to eat but I'm, I know that in a couple of hours I am going to be hungry again yeah. so if that's okay that's okay if you know you're going to be in meetings for five hours and you don't have the option to sneak anything in or to have a snack then think okay if I'm, I want to have this piece of toast with chocolate spread but I'm also going to have a handful of nuts and a yogurt yeah and actually I think that will help me out in the long term and it's having that knowledge that adding something rather than taking something away is always the best way to be. And also that flexibility, like, cause sometimes we do just, especially with kids, especially with busy lifestyles and being in meetings, you can't always grab something. There's always times where you're thinking, yeah. oh, like I could really do with something now. So just to prepare for it and not be afraid to eat a little bit more than you think you need, just yeah. because you know that for the next five hours, you won't have anything. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. And now, so for those of you that are listening, we are recording this in November, but it's going to be going out in January. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> Christmas. That'll be end of February, actually. Um, yeah, so the lead up to Christmas, everybody goes out, their kind of diets go out the window and stuff like that. But then everyone then makes, I don't know what they're called, um, 
what they call resolutions yeah new year's resolutions that's the yeah. word for january right okay i'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna i want to be down on this weight by this amount of time and then everyone falls off the bandwagon at least two weeks later so I suppose everyone is then setting unrealistic goals and they need to be small goals, achievable goals, celebrate those goals and then carry on to get to that end goal. Exactly. And I think that when you are going through a transition from every year of your life, doing a January new year, new me diet exercise plan, that's it. This is it for me. Shifting that into I'm going to just take all of that back and really tune into who I am because I think again it's that external drive to change ourselves is never going to be successful that's a hard thing to accept like the chase for weight loss the chase for changing your body and who you are is never successful successful and because you know you're always chasing for something that's not now yeah yeah so and everyone wants friends. fixes now not yeah. in six months a year's time which is probably what it's going to take exactly and even then you know it's six months to a year it might take to be an intuitive eater fully fledged it might even take longer because it depends on how long you've been dieting before then um but i think even just well whenever this podcast is coming out and there might be people out there who are listening going damn i've just failed my diet and they're talking about this and (laughs) so first of all for those of you if that is you then just take a gentle approach and say wow like it's so interesting like come from a place of curiosity look back at the patterns does this happen every year does this happen every three months is it worth your time and it has to be a decision from you as an individual that you are not going to have this pressure from the outside to change who you are um and I think it's really interesting that no matter what, personally, for me, no matter what changes I want to make, whether it's career, whether it's my relationship, whether it's health, if I go to external sources for all the answers, I never feel like I'm good enough. Yes. When I talk, when I listen to myself, when I slow down, when I take rest, when I do some meditation, when I journal, and just breathe for a moment, I realize that actually I'm absolutely good as I am right now although yeah. I want to be although, although I want to grow as a person I want to change and there's some habits that I want to shift but that doesn't mean I'm not perfect perfect you know yeah. but <laughs> I'm not perfect right now but honestly using that word it, it's true all of us are yeah. perfect right now there's yeah. nothing you can do apart from say I'm actually perfect right now and it's okay that I want to shift the direction and follow a different path Yes. That's okay to admit that, okay, it's February or end of January and things haven't worked out again. And that's okay. Like, actually, there is a different way. And I don't have to be suffering through this every few months. I promise you, hands down, hand on heart, there is a different way. (laughs) (laughs) And two things to sum up. What would you say? Yeah. Two things. Now I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. Two tips for people. (laughs) Two tips. Two tips for people wanting to do more intuitive eating. So I think the first one is really, oh, this is actually a practical tip. So if you're someone who is a chronic dieter, you've chronic, I just mean you've dieted on and off for a long time. Um, is that when you are eating food, when you're actually eating, is to bring the freight, bring mindfulness into the meal. And this 
might sound a bit like, wait, what? I don't get how the two things are related, but mindfulness basically just means being in the present moment, right? Focusing yeah. on everything in your environment. So when you're eating this way, what is going to happen is when you're in the present moment, you're much more attuned to your body. And what we mean by tuning into your body actually just means being present and allowing yourself to actually feel what's going on. So one of the tips is slow down when you're eating and be mindful and actually put your knife in it. This is hard for fast people who eat fast, which is me. I could literally, I, inhale, do too. <laughs> I could inhale a pizza in like five minutes, probably less. Yeah. <laughs> so this is someone, something that I have to consciously do every single day still after years of doing this. Um, but put down your knife and fork, breathe, take a few breaths, ask yourself, am I satisfied? Is this enough? A lot of the time as dieters, we've disconnected from that feeling of fullness. So if you're scared to allow yourself to eat a lot, allow yourself to eat anything, as you're allowing yourself for your next meal, I challenge you to just try that and see how it feels. Yeah. Um, and then my second one, I would say this is more about movement because I know everyone sees the two pillars of health almost, yeah. nutrition and, and movement. So movement, I would say that First of all, to accept and scrap the idea that you have to do, you have to do it a specific way. Because a lot of people I work with, my clients are busy mums, they're professional women, they're both, they're one or the other, like everything, everything yeah. is going on. And when you have this kind of diet mentality, you have to go in or you have to not do anything at all, is actually just see what movement feels good. Again, checking in with yourself. So do a five minutes of like, dancing in the living room with the kids if you like do yeah. 10 minutes of like running outside your house or if you don't even like going out anywhere it's okay to do it in your house like if you're in if your comfort zone and you want to be comfortable and satisfied with what you do then don't be afraid to make any sort of movement into your movement yes. I would say that and I think there's just this like I like I said at the beginning I was an over exerciser I was a 6am or in the gym people would look at me and be like she's a crazy person and I actually <laughs> was and I didn't realize <laughs> um I thought I was being you know helpful and good it, it was good for me but actually it wasn't and yeah. I've now transformed my movement into um like I know the benefits from just 10 minutes so sometimes I just get up 10 minutes I just dance in my living room I've got a few light weights I do a bit of boxing in the mirror yeah. like, <laughs> like Rocky style <laughs> and like all of those things that people would laugh at and probably think what the hell is she doing but well, you're using your intuitive guidance just to move yeah, exactly that. and it's so empowering when you're just like I know that okay if everyone's got husbands or partners and whoever might laugh at them but that, I think that's also part of the fun make it yeah. fun make it enjoyable have people laugh at you and think oh well look at me I'm, I'm living my life yeah. <laughs> and I do that as well I like if the if the uh, radio's on and I'll just dance around and the kids are laughing but then they're joining in as well and they'll be like, oh you're so silly mummy <laughs> well, it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. amazing yeah those and are my two top tips Yes, they are. And where can we find you? What's your website or your social media platforms? Yeah, so the main place that well, the social media platform that I'm most on is Instagram. So it's Cleo Faith Coaching. So faith as in faith. There's <laughs> 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 many different ways to spell it, but Cleo is C-L-E-O. Most people think Renault Cleo and put an I in it. So it's yeah. <laughs> Cleo Faith Coaching. Um, but that's where I hang out the most and also do 
live sessions that are free on all of the above that we've talked about in more detail. So it'd be great to see whoever wants to join us over there. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so interesting. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Gemma. It's been great. That's all right. And yes, we'll definitely have you on again and we'll talk about something else. Definitely. I'd be up for it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so as always, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. So please leave a comment or tag me on social media using at Yogi Gemma. I'm always so grateful to hear your thoughts. And thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with another one, another fun episode for you guys to listen to. And also please leave a review on iTunes or like and subscribe to this podcast because it really means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much and I will see you very soon. Music